everyone. Welcome back to JCM Prepare the Way. My name is Carol. And I'm Mallory. And we are so glad that you guys are tuning in today. We are continuing in this short little series we're doing on parables. And today is the parable of the wheat and the tares. But um, I wanted to start out with a funny little story about when Mallory first arrived at my house <laughs> this morning. And I am not the best storyteller, so I'm going to let you tell this story. <laughs> You're so funny. Yeah, well, I just haven't been grocery shopping lately, so I came over pretty hungry to Carol's house this morning. So I was like, do you have some fruit or something? She's like, oh, I will make you some toast. I'm the best toast maker. No, 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 you didn't say that. <laughs> but she made me some toast, and it was in there for a while. I was like, oh, gosh, I don't know I how good that's going to be. I forgot about it. <laughs> you forgot about it. I was like, and I, I honestly thought in my head I was like, it probably come out burnt, but just be grateful. You know, you came over with a hungry stomach. Like, of course, just take it. And then it came out completely burnt. And then, of course, black. we were all laughing. Completely yeah, black. black. It was irreparable. And then... Um, so you I put made, another piece in. So you put another piece in, forgot about it again. Same thing. I, this time I just like kind of... up and I'm like, oh, it's perfect. <laughs> I know I forgot that And you're looking at me like, uh, yeah, no. <laughs> no, I was... I was laughing so hard I couldn't even I couldn't even so she's scraping the blackness off in the sink but I did get a nice little breakfast from Carol so thank you for (laughs) my daughter Lainey's in the kitchen like oh my just shaking her head (laughs) what am I gonna do with you Oh, too funny. Well, you want to kick us off today? Yeah. So, yeah, like Carol said, we're going to be going over the parable about the wheat and the tares. And so we find that in Matthew, we find that 13, uh, verse 24 through 30. So I guess I'll just start by reading and, you know, kind of jump in. Okay. So it says, Jesus told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while everyone was sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. When the weeds, wheat sprouted, formed heads, then the weeds also appeared. The owner's servants came to him and said, Sir, didn't you sow good seed in your field? Where then did the weeds come from? An enemy did this, he replied. The servants asked him, Do you want us to go and pull them up? No, he answered, because while you were pulling the weeds, you may uproot the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. At that time, I will tell the harvesters, first collect the weeds and tie them in bundles to be burned, then gather the wheat and bring them into my barn. Later on in the chapter, yeah, then later on in the chapter, we see that the disciples, then they asked Jesus to explain this parable. And he tells them, the one who sowed the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world and the good seed stands for the people of the kingdom. The weeds are the people of the evil one and the enemy who sows them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the harvesters are the angels. As the weeds are pulled up and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send out his angels, and they will weed out the kingdom of everything that causes sin and all who do evil. They will throw them into the blazing furnace, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their Father. Whoever has ears, let them hear. I like that translation. What translation is that? Do you know? Uh, Do you remember? Maybe NIV. It was, it was I nice. Remember. I kind of like how it closed out the end of that parable. That was good. You know, um, this is such a timely parable for today. And and for those of you that may n- not have ever studied wheat and tares, I encourage you to go uh, do an internet search of wheat and tares and look how similar they look. Mm-hmm. And you don't really tell the difference until they're mature. It just just is such a perfect picture for this parable. 
Um, but I want to kind of digress for just a minute and talk about seeds, righteous seeds and unrighteous seeds, because that's what this whole thing's about. Because I just released our latest episode on Revelation. We have this series on Revelation on our podcast, and I just finished chapter 12. And I there's something I mentioned in that podcast that I think bears mentioning or repeating here. So if y'all can just bear with me for just a minute and you too, Mallory, because but you'll see it all ties back to this parable. You know, um, when we go back all the way back to Genesis chapter three, where it's after the fall of mankind, and then we and then we kind of scoot up to I think verse fifteen, and we see God He's putting a curse on the serpent, the man, and the woman. I'm sure most of you remember that. Well, one of the curses that He speaks forth is that He puts enmity between the woman and the serpent, and between her seed and his seed. Now, enmity means hostility. And we see that all throughout scripture. There is a hostility between the woman and the serpent, between um, any seed that, you know, women bear. And so it is a common pattern that is thread throughout the scriptures. Now, who is this serpent? Well, he's revealed as the devil as Satan in chapter 12 of Revelation. You really don't see another interpretation of who he is until you get to here. And we know that he doesn't have physical children, but he certainly has spiritual ones. And that's essentially what we're talking about here. Satan's seed or spiritual children is what Jesus described in the gospels as those who were against him. Remember when Jesus would say, your father is the devil. You desire the things that he desires. You want to accomplish his will. So the devil, he's going to produce an unrighteous seed, while the woman from her will come righteous seed. And the ultimate seed which came from the woman was Messiah. It was Jesus. That's why it's super important to study lineages in your Bible. Don't skip over those. And Jesus is a righteous seed. And the ultimate seed, which comes from the serpent, which comes from the devil, is going to be the Antichrist, right? An unrighteous seed. And what does it say all the way back in all of the early writings of the New Testament? That that spirit of the Antichrist is already in the world. It's all, That unrighteous seed is already working in the sons of disobedience. And so all who follow Jesus are good seed and all who follow the Antichrist, the anti-God systems of the world are bad seed, those tares that Mallory was talking about. And so in the parables, this seed has been sown for two harvests. We see a good seed that's going to come from Jesus and a bad seed that is sown by the devil. And this is the conflict we're in. And this is the conflict we've been in since the very beginning. You see it with Pharaoh and the people. You see it with Antiochus Epiphanes, which is mentioned in the book of Daniel. And that's where you get also the story of the Maccabees and Hanukkah, right? You see it through various Roman Caesars. You see it through Herod. And so history, redemptive history of the entire Bible, is going to be defined by this conflict, this battle between the righteous seed of the woman, the descendants of the woman, and the unrighteous seed of the serpent. And that's what's taking place right now, is we are seeing the, these two harvests maturing together. And do you mind if I maybe give an example? I, I love visual things. And every time I, I read this parable, I think of this. It's like when you plant 
herbs or plants in a starter containers, right? In the spring, you sow the seed and you might be planting oregano or basil or maybe sage or thyme. And over the weeks, you're keeping watch for growth. Well, suddenly one day you wake up and there they've broken through the soil and it's these little teeny tiny plants with maybe one or two little leaves on them. And some might grow a little faster than others. Some might have a few more leaves than others. But in the early stage, you really can't tell which one is which yet, right? But then as they continue to grow and you transfer them to a larger container and they start to really take off, then you can start telling the difference of which plant belongs to which herb, at which point you know which what the harvest is. You know, most of the plants then, by the time they're fully grown, have caught up with each other. And so that by this point, you're dealing, of course, with mature plants. And then at some point, they're going to need to be harvested. Well, that's the whole point of this parable. For years, we are like those little plants. You couldn't tell which one was which for a long time. We all start out the same way. We all grow at different paces. And in the beginning, this whole uh, age of the church, you know, we could see different groups of each one. Well, now the harvest is maturing. And it's filling in in the field of the earth. And it's becoming plainly obvious which seeds are righteous and which seeds are not. And that's what we're experiencing. This maturing of God's family, but also Satan's family. And it's becoming plainly obvious across the globe. And God's going to allow us all to grow together until we are fully grown. He's not going to allow us to be removed one moment sooner than that, lest one part of the harvest gets damaged which is very loving of him. And he says in this parable and in his end times discourse in Matthew 24, he repeats that. So we're going to feel, you know, and this is what many of us are feeling now. We're going to feel the choking of the weeds. We're going to feel the crowding of the field across the earth. And, you know, because the true message of Christ, the truth of his word, the Bible, it's going to become a stench to a world that is embracing an antichrist system. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely, Carol. I think that was so good too. I've heard a lot of commentaries on this parable, but I've never heard that about the seed and the origin. So where do these seeds come from? I love that you went over that. And exactly what you said, that we are going to be the stench of the world. And we're already starting to feel that. I mean, in America, it felt like Christianity was the main religion. And now we're becoming, I'm starting to feel that like an outcast. Mm-hmm. And so that's where we're at. And like you said, you know, we're we're seeing that the difference between the wheat and the weeds, that's where we're at now. We're in that maturing. But then where do we see in the parable? What do we see next? It's that the servants that they wanted to pull out those weeds, they want to um, get them out of there. Like mm-hmm. I would too, if I were the servants, but what are they told? They're told not to pull out that good wheat. And so, you know, we're to remember that we are not the ones to be pulling out those weeds. It's really only God in the end. And so how are we supposed to do this? while staying righteous and holding the church accountable, which I think is so important in this day and age too. I mean, what happened to the, to the tares? What happened to the weeds? Well, they were thrown into the fire where there was weeping and gnashing of teeth Mm. and that should get us alarmed. Mm -hmm. What are happening to those people? That's why I'm saying staying righteous, keeping the church accountable, um, and loving people. And how do we do that without pulling out the weed? So let's talk about that. So, you know, before we get into that, let's talk about an example here. I mean, I can just think of social media. That's where I'm seeing this so much. It's become 
so political it's become, but you're seeing people's religious views. You're seeing what people believe. And, you know, as I scroll through, I see that there were people who were once believers who are now posting things that are so opposite of the kingdom. And it's so hard to see. It's so heartbreaking to see. And, you know, what am I to do? You know, well, I think first, you know, we're we're to remember again, we're not God and we're not the ones to separate them, but we are the helpers. I know the angels are the helpers in this, but we are the hands and feet in Jesus and we can help too. And we're called to love one another. And, you know, we can do this. We can do this by praying for those people who were once deceived and have gone astray. And we can call on those people who are going in the wrong direction say, Hey, you're going the wrong direction. Are you, you know, are, this might be you, are you the wheat or are you the weeds? Um, and I think that's so important and we can do that so lovingly too. You know, I think of, and Carol and I were talking about this before where someone called you out on something Mm -hmm. so lovingly, and I've been called out before too. Mm-hmm. And it's so important. We are supposed to, we're called in the Bob in the, in the Bible, <laughs> in the Bible, um, to admonish one another. Mm-hmm. And I think of this story, you know, I was in uh, youth with the mission and there was someone who I was super close friends with. We woke up every morning. We read the Bible together, went through the whole Bible year. That was eight years ago. A few years later, I see that he's posting things that are so opposite of the kingdom. And this is someone I had a relationship with. Mm-hmm. And so I prayed about it for a few days, prayed for him. My heart was broken for him for just a long time. Anytime I think about it and I felt the Lord say, Hey, reach out to him and tell him, Hey, you're not walking in the right direction. And I, it was with so much lo- like out of my own flesh, mm-hmm. it wouldn't have been loving, but it was very clear and righteous and very loving as well, because I think it is our duty as believers to warn people. Mm-hmm. And that's Jeremiah's call, preach, warn, I teach. just was getting ready to say that. I'm like, oh. we are going to repeat our <laughs> mission statement. Yes. I was literally just thinking that. I didn't even plan that. It just yeah, came into see, it. Think it's just our yeah. DNA. It, <laughs> it just comes out of us. And so, yeah. you know, with that, and that is God's great mercy. Mm-hmm. And for us, and he is sending. So don't think that you're unloving when you're calling someone out. You're actually doing the most loving thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, think if someone was about to run into a street where a bus was coming through, wouldn't you call that person and say, Hey, you're going the wrong way. And you know, for most of us, <laughs> yeah, definitely <laughs> going the wrong way. Um, you know, for most of us reading this, you know, we can think to ourselves, you know, why does God wait until the end of the harvest to separate the two? Why doesn't he just pull out those, those tares? Mm-hmm. And, you know, for me, I'm like, I don't want to grow up in the tares. I want to be with the wheat and the safety of the wheat and not feel that pressure and not feel that evil. But, you know, I have to remind myself too. I don't know if one point I would have been in that storehouse with yeah. the wheat. I was with the tares at one point too. And that is his kindness. Mm-hmm. In second Peter three, nine, it says, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. And that is so important to remember. That is why God waits. You know, we as humans can be so quick and want judgment right now, but he is so kind and slow to anger and he does not want anyone to perish. He wants every single one in that field to be that wheat that he brings into the storehouse. And you know, did you know that every single drop of blood that Jesus shed, it was not wasted. You know, he poured out all of himself so that we could have forgiveness of sins and life in him. And even though he paid it, some would not accept it. And he still paid that price knowing that people would not accept it. Mm -hmm. And so that is why he allows the both to grow up together. He waits until that harvest to separate them. 
Mallory, that was so good. And um, you have such a kind heart. So, you know, if you call something out, I know it's because you care, because you love people really well. But I also know you love the Lord really well. And so you you follow that narrow path that it says is very difficult and if you find because you are walking the walk. And so it is a hard thing to stay on that narrow path. And, you know, we were just talking about Jeremiah's call. I was literally, when you were talking, <laughs> I'm like, we got to remind people the ministry mm-hmm. that we are. Yeah. We are a ministry that's based off of Colossians 1, that says, him we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom to present every man perfect, perfect in Christ Jesus. Preach, warn, and teach in order to help you mature in your faith. And so we do talk about some things and call out different things. And we, we just so you all know, we examine them within ourselves as well. Yeah. And we call each other out. And so we're not just doing a podcast to like shake a finger at anybody. We're, we're looking at our own hearts as well. But this is the importance of the hour that we're in. Um, and I want to, I just want to mention something really important that kind of ties in with what you were saying. And I think it pertains to judging others because you were talking about, it's, it's loving to warn people. And we all are in agreement on that in our ministry. And this will be a topic, judging others will be a topic we do it as a podcast at some point. But there is a healthy judging that Paul says needs to happen within the church. A lot of times you'll hear believers spout off, you're not supposed to judge, you're not supposed to judge. And yes, there's passages on that. But you also have to just um, quit speaking platitudes, so to speak, or little verses that maybe somebody has spoken to you and really go into the context of certain verses to understand the fullness of what that means. In 1 Corinthians chapter 5, Paul is actually calling out sin within the church. And he goes on to say something very interesting that I would just like to read in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, starting in verse 9 in particular. He says, I wrote to you in my epistle not to keep company with sexually immoral people. Yet I certainly did not mean with the sexually immoral people of this world or with the covetous or extortioners or idolaters. Since then, you would need not to go out of the world. But now I have written to you to not keep company with anyone named a brother who is sexually immoral or covetous or an idolater or a reviler or a drunkard or an extortioner, not even to eat with such a person. For what have I to do with judging those also who are outside? Do you not judge those who are inside? But those who are outside, God judges. Therefore, put away from yourselves the evil person. You know, these are... That's a very thought-provoking passage and a very convicting passage because Paul is essentially telling us, yes, do not judge those outside of the body of Christ. That's God's job. But we are to examine what's going on on the inside, in the body of Christ, holding each other accountable. And I think that's a point that you were making just a few minutes ago. And it's stated clearly right here, to judge those within. And so because that was so challenging for me, I went ahead and looked up that word judge because I was like, well, okay, what does that word mean in this passage? Because it can mean something else in a different passage. That's very You have to be very careful with that when you study the Bible. Well, in this passage, it's a verb and it means to distinguish, to give an opinion on, judge, sometimes to condemn and call into question. And so, yeah, when we look at the harvest that is supposed to be this pure, holy body of Christ, this righteous seed. But then we see many brothers and sisters and 
folks who call themselves Christians following the system and mindset of the world. And they don't realize they're following and they're growing into that unrighteous seed. And that's concerning to us. That's concerning to me. I know it's concerning to Mallory. And it's why we started this ministry to begin with. You know, our heart towards the body of Christ should always be positioned to encourage each other to run this race well in righteousness, according to the word of God. You know, as parents, an example of this might be we have an expectation. I know I think about myself and my husband on this. We might have an expectation that we expect our kids to live by in the home, right? Expectations that are for their good. But when they go off course into something that's not going to end well for them, we're not going to be standing aside saying, okay, honey, we love you. Keep doing what you're doing. Let's see how it turns out. We don't want to judge you in this. So you go be you. And that's the common phrase right now. You do you, right? Everybody's saying, you do you, you do you. Well, if it makes you happy. And that's why I keep hearing, you do you, you be you. It's like, no. And so we speak the truth in love, even if it's hard. No, you can't do you. Yes, you have a personality. Yes, you have certain traits about you that are unique to the world and unique to the body of Christ. But no, you do Jesus is what you do. You don't you do you. And so it's the and so when we speak the truth in love, it's that spirit, the word that convicts, not us. We just speak it. And then the sword goes forth and the spirit does what he does best. But sometimes, friends, we need to call things out. We need to judge, so to speak, within the family of God. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think that's so good. I like, Carol, what you said of that phrase that's, and it sounds nice. You do you. And the thing is that we are created so individually and so uniquely, but if we're left to our own, our own nature is sin. And so that's why we don't do you. That's why we come under the authority of Jesus and to come so we can be his perfect image of what we're called to be because we do have those characteristics. We want them to be in the Lord. We want them to be holy and to be sanctified. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, you go girl. I felt the spirit yeah. on that oh my God. I felt it coming off of you. I was like waving. Cause I was like, yeah. <laughs> anyway, if you guys could see what goes We're on over here, <laughs> you know? Um, yeah, exactly. Mallory, I got to get my thought back together after what you just said, you know, Paul does this and that's what he, that's what, he, that's my whole point I'm trying to make actually is in this passage, he tells the Corinthians to do the same. And what is he calls out in this particular church, Corinthians, these are the, their specific sins that he's calling out within Corinth. One, they were fornicators. And that actually is a word that comes from the Greek pornos where we get pornography, right? But it's also, um, a word that is all about making money or selling for sex. Well, you know, friends, the church today has a pro- still has a problem with pornography. Mm-hmm. We have a major problem with pornography. All you got to do is pull up the statistics and I think you'll fall out of your chair. Yeah. So Paul is calling that out. Paul is calling out reviling. Reviling is um, criticizing or insulting. They had a problem with that in Corinth. Well, we still have a problem with that today. Um, They were idolatrous. And we still have a problem with idolatry. Some of us idolize kids. Some of us idolize ourselves, our looks, money. Many of us idolize other worldviews. We don't want to conform to the Bible. Um, Paul also called out drunkards in Corinth. Well, those are people that get drunk. We still have that within the church Mm -hmm. today. 
And then Paul calls out those who are covetous. And that word actually means they were eager to have more, or they wanted what belonged to others, or they were greedy for gain. Well, we still covet here. Many of us are not content with what we've got. And so we look over to the vacation somebody just took, or the house someone just built, or the third house someone just built, right? And we're covetous. And then he called out uh, what's called an extortioner. Well, that means excessively greedy to the point where you're really acting on it. And that's still the case today. And Paul is telling the people in Corinth, I don't want you to even eat with them. Well, now that is quite a statement. And, And then you look at this and you're thinking, well, golly, that's still happening today. You know, we want, we want a healthy harvest. We want a healthy church. So are we to sit back and say nothing to nobody? Or are we to call it out, like it says here, to judge within the body of Christ? And again, that word judge, call it into question. Sometimes you have to condemn it. Like, wait a second, you are not supposed to covet. God has blessed you so much, right? Mm -hmm. These are things that we have to consider when we consider wanting a harvest that is actually going to be strong enough to endure against the weeds of the tares. You know, we got to get real about this. You know, I, I think sometimes many of us in the body, we have left the standard of scripture that Jesus is holding us accountable to. And friends, two harvests are maturing together. Which side are you on? Because Jesus says in Matthew 12, verse 30, he who's not with me is against me. And he who does not gather with me scatters abroad. Well, so holding each other accountable to righteousness is very important. And it's not judging. It's actually very loving, like you said, Mallory. It's caring enough to call everything into question. What are you doing? Why are you walking that broad path of destruction? Why did you get off the narrow path? It's no wonder Paul says in Galatians 3.1, who cast a spell on you? Well, that's our question. Who cast a spell on you out there? You know, we're either going to use our liberty in the spirit we're going to either use it to be led by the spirit or as in Galatians, it says, if you're not being led by the spirit, you're either embracing legalism, tradition, or you're embracing license, which means you're feeding your own desires and both of which abuse the liberty of the spirit. And so anyway, and as you said, Mallory, you know, when God deems it time, we will all be harvested. God is going to send out his angels upon the earth to gather the wheat into his barn and throw the rest into the fire to be burned. And you can also see that gathering. It's found in Revelation. And it's also found in Matthew 24 in his discourse for the end times. We are living this parable, my friends. In fact, every age since Christ has lived this parable. And so if you ever wonder why evil is so out in the open today, this is why. And if you're looking around at the compromise in the body of Christ, if you're looking around even at family and friends and thinking, how come we just don't all agree anymore? This is part of it too. The different harvests are finally revealing themselves in a big way. But stay encouraged. It's like Mallory said, even if it's hard, the Lord will have his day. Mm-hmm. So good, Carol. I just, I'm loving this episode <laughs> right now. This is so good. And I think what, I, what I'm thinking now about this parable too is that when I started to see these wheat versus the tares, I'm thinking, what's going on? What's going on? You know, kind of this panic. But I'm so reminded right now as we're talking about this, this is right this is the time and this is the time that the harvest is coming. So like Carol said, stay encouraged. And if you are facing, stay strong, strong. if you're facing persecution, you're doing the right thing. 
And so, yeah, we just bless all of you out there to stay strong, to be that wheat, um, to love on those tares and bring them into the kingdom of God so that they can come into that harvest with the Lord. And so you guys, thank you so much for listening to us. We just appreciate all of our listeners who just take the time out of your day and, um, we're encouraged. I hope you guys are encouraged. Um, if you want to reach out to us, you can email us at prepare the way at jcmcolorado.com until next time. Take care. Thank you.